invite you this morning uh, to open up to Philippians chapter 3 or maybe turn on your Bible if you've got an app on your phone or iPad, whatever tablet you might have. Or if you've got a paper copy, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 8. Some of the verses are going to be on the screen uh, for you as well. So Philippians chapter 3 uh, is where I'm going to meet you, but let's open in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for Easter morning. We can think where we were last year at this time. And we thank you for the faithfulness that you have shown uh, each one of us to bring us to where we are today. And Lord, I thank you that in your word it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then three days later, the good news that as the women went to the tomb... And there were two angels there saying, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He's risen. Thank you that God, the resurrection is the amen to what Jesus has done on the cross for us. And Lord, we want to celebrate that this morning. As we move through your word, we want to ask that Lord, you would change our minds, our hearts, our will, according to your will in our lives. And Father, reveal in us maybe things we haven't thought about for a long time. Show us direction we need to go. Help us to find encouragement in your word this morning, knowing we have a God who lives, a God who hears our prayers, and a God who saves us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You know, it, it happens Every season, I'm sure, at your house in, in a few different ways, there's, there comes a point in time where uh, seasons change and you have to take decorations down in order to put new decorations up. And so maybe it's the fall, the spring, the winter, or the summer. You're taking something off the wall. You're putting it in a box so you now can take something out of a box and put it back on the wall. And so something old has to come down to make room for something new. And I'm sure that happens in your house uh, quite regularly as it does in my house. Something comes off, goes in a box, something comes out out of a box, and goes up on the wall. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church of Philippi. And in chapter 3, he opens up and he's warning them not to try to come to God based on your works, on your good morality, on your tradition or ways that you were raised. He says, beware of false teachers that way. And then Paul starts walking us through how he has met this man named Jesus and what Jesus has done in his life. And so I want to just give you three questions today as we walk through the text that I want you to ask yourself. And three questions really to determine, are you following Christ in your life? Or have you just put him in a box? You know, maybe you once did, but maybe you've just now stored them away. And so these questions are designed to help you, at the end of our service, make a decision to say, who really is Jesus in my life? Is he someone I'm really following or someone I've just simply put in a box? First question is this, who are you? Who are you? And in Philippians chapter 3, we pick up in verse 4, and Paul writes these words, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, 
also, if anyone thinks he has reasons for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And so what Paul's saying there in verse 4 is he says, hey guys, if you want to base salvation and forgiveness of sin based on what someone can do, man, I, I can do that. I've got confidence in that. He said, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee. Verse 6, he says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I gain, I had. I counted loss as for the sake of Christ. In verses 4 through 7, Paul says, essentially, here's who I once was. Uh, and I can summarize these verses this way. I, I grew up in church, he'd say. You know, I, I went to Sunday school. I went to vacation Bible school. I did Awana. I did Bible drill. I memorized all kinds of verses. I paid attention. I was good. You know, I even went to Christian school, he said. And here's who I once was. All these good things. I had good morality in my life. I followed the rules. I was a better moral person than some of my neighbors and for sure the people I see on the news. Now, you might say, wait, wait hang on one second. Because in verse 6, he said this. And how do you say this is good morality when in verse 6 he says, as to zeal, I was a passionate persecutor of the church as to righteousness under the law, blameless. How can you say this was a guy who said, I had great morals even though I was out to lock Christians up. How is that good morality? Well, we got to remember, they understand the, the Jewish leaders of the day, they thought they were doing right by killing Jesus. They thought they were doing God a favor. They thought they were loving God and worshiping God by killing his son. And so now they're thinking, well, wait a minute, this Jesus guy, we, we've got to get rid of him. He's an imposter. He is not God in the flesh. He's not the Messiah. And now all this uproar is happening, and the more and more people are starting to worship this guy named Jesus, and we've got to end this thing. We've got to get rid of this. So the Apostle Paul is one of those who says, look, I love God. I obey God. I do what's right. And here's how I'm showing you I'm doing what's right. I'm trying to stop this false information named Christianity. I want to get rid of it. That's who Paul was until something happened. You notice verse 8? He says, until, and indeed I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For the sake I've suffered loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You see something happen right there between verses 4 through 7 and verse 8. Here's a guy who once said, I can track all of my goodness and how I would come to God based on what I would do. But then in verse 8, I now count all of that as rubbish. You know, if you have a King James Version, you will see the term dung there. If you have an NIV Version, you would see the term garbage. And essentially, in the, in the Greek, that's what it means, manure. And so Paul says, and he uses this term very intentionally to shock his readers into saying, I once did all of these good things, and now I just treat that and look at that as manure. Why? Because I've come to know Jesus. Let me say it this way this morning. Today, you can either have the bread of life named Jesus in your life, and you can choose to have bread, 
or you can choose to have a pile of manure. That's where Paul was. Who are you today? Who are you? Are you a skeptic? And you say, you know, I, I don't know about this whole Jesus stuff. I don't, I don't really know about all this. Look, I, I, I came because I was invited, or maybe I'm here with family. They promised me lunch later. You know, I mean, like I, I dressed up a little bit for this. Maybe, maybe that's you. you. You've got questions and you've got doubts. And listen, we are, we are glad that you're here. If that's you online, we're glad that you're watching with us and participating with us this morning. We, we honestly genuinely welcome your questions. We welcome your doubts. We welcome those conversations this morning, but, but maybe that's where you are. You're, you're a skeptic. You haven't bought into Jesus yet, or maybe this morning that's who you are. You are a follower of Christ. You say, I'm in Christ. I know Christ. I believe in Christ. So this morning, what then changed you? If you say, yeah, you know what, I'm a follower of Christ, what, what changed you? Because look again in verse 8, something changed Paul. Because he says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For this sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and now I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You see some simple accounting terms there that Paul uses. He says, in my life, all my accomplishments, all my good morality, all those Bible verses I learned, all those years I sat through those long sermons, right? All those good things. That, that was in my gain column when it came to knowing the Lord. Boy, I was just building up that gain column. God, here's how you should love me. God, I'm doing all the right things. But now I've moved all those things from the gain column to the loss column. What happened in this guy's life? Well, Acts chapter 9 tells us of a time that he's got orders in hand from the Jewish leaders to go to Damascus and arrest Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem. So these religious leaders are like, look, this Christianity thing, it's spreading. It's now breaking out in Damascus. Saul, you go there. You go, you arrest them, you drag them back. We're going to put them on trial. We're going to beat them. We're going to you know, torture them. And we're going to lock them away because we got to end this Jesus movement right now. So, so you go do that. And he's on his way. Orders in hand. He's ready to do it until the resurrected Jesus appears. And when the resurrected Jesus appears, it literally knocks Paul off his horse. The glory of Christ blinds him. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he looks up and he says, Is Jesus, that's you, Lord? And right there, he placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He came to know Christ Jesus by faith in him. Look in verse 9. That's what he says, that you come through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That's what changed Paul. His eternal destiny was changed that way. That, that morning he was on the highway to hell, but now he was on the highway to heaven. But stay with me this, more than his eternal destiny changed, his life changed, who he was changed, his character changed, 
His mind changed. His affections changed. His life changed in his daily actions toward Christ. He went from being a gospel persecutor to being a gospel preacher. He went from saying, I don't want anything to do with this Jesus to now I want everything to do with this Jesus. Why? Because he met the resurrected Christ. Let me ask you this. Have you met the resurrected Jesus in your life? Or only a Jesus you made up? Which Jesus are you following? Are you following the biblical resurrected Jesus? Or are you following a Jesus you've just kind of piecemealed together? Well, I like a little bit about this Jesus. I don't like this. I'm going to just make my own Jesus. Because what does it look like to follow the biblical resurrected Jesus. Look again in verse 10. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul, if you've noticed as we've read through these verses so far uses words like know Christ, gain Christ, be in Christ. And what is he showing you there? This is a relationship that God wants a relationship with you. And this is you relating to him. But notice when you meet the biblical resurrected Jesus that you now know him and the power of his resurrection. I love the way D.A. Carson says this, that phrase that I may know him. He says, Paul recognizes that in God's universe, the most important thing is to know God. And when you come to know Christ as your Savior, you now know the power of his resurrection. And if you think of all the things Jesus did, it is the resurrection of Christ that is the greatest display of his power. And stop and think about this with me. The resurrection of Christ is the greatest display of his power. Now, this was a man that in the middle of a Category 5 hurricane could stand up and say, wind and waves, you stop, and all of nature would obey. This was a man that took a little kid's lunch, and about, well, hang on one second, I said that kind of wrong. I, I, Jesus didn't steal a kid's lunch, okay? <laughs> like, let me, I'll back up and just retell this a little better. There is a time that Christ was preaching, and, and there was a large crowd of over 5,000 people there. And like any preacher, he probably went a little long, right? And it's getting late. And they, they've got to eat. And so Jesus looks at the disciples and says, feed these guys. He said, we don't have any money. We don't have enough money to feed these people. And if we ran down to Whataburger right now, not only do we have money, we know how fast they operate in the drive-thru. <laughs> There's no way they'd get this order done before sun goes down. We can't do this on our own. Little boy walks up and he says, hey, Jesus, I've got two sardines and a couple Ritz crackers. Would that help? Jesus says, sure, I'll use that. And then he starts from those little sardines and Ritz crackers, multiplying food out. And I mean this crowd. Can you imagine eating that meal? Eating the bread made by the bread of life's hands? 
Oh, boy, they're eating, and they're eating, and they're feasting, and they're having a good time. That's the power of Christ. He had the power to speak, and someone regained their sight that they never had. He had the power to touch someone who never could walk, so they next day can go out and run a 5K. This is a powerful man. But the greatest display of his power is in his resurrection. And Paul says, now when you come to know Christ, you know him and the power of his resurrection. That's going to play out in your life this way. At conversion, when you are saved, when you place your trust and faith in Christ, your identity is now linked to Jesus. Because of his resurrection, you have a resurrection coming. Because the grave could not hold him, the grave's not going to hold you. I love that old song. There ain't no grave that's going to keep this body down. Why? Because he had a resurrection, and now we are forever linked together. Matt mentioned it earlier. Because he lives, what? If you grew up in church, you know the hymn, you can say it. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. What is that? That's the power of the resurrection in us. The power of resurrection not only helps us at conversion, it's the power of the resurrection of Christ that sanctifies us. That means now as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit who gives you the power over temptation, the power to witness to others with the gospel, the power to live a holy life. This morning, do you know this Jesus? Who are you? Are you a follower of Christ or a skeptic? This morning, have you met the biblical resurrected Jesus or just the Jesus you want to know? Because you can know him in the power of his resurrection. But, but I want you to notice something else in this verse that I, I know you probably won't like, but I need to point it out. So not only do we know him in the power of his resurrection, but we may share in his sufferings becoming like him in death. To suffer like Jesus, to be a faithful witness in a fallen world, it is neither easy nor is it popular. But let me say it this way to our teenagers, our kids who need to learn this lesson, and our adults who need to be reminded of it. It is not always popular to do what is right, but it is always right to do what is right. And when you follow Christ, it will cost you something. That's why Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you follow me. It will cost you something. There will be times it will be hard. But what we want to do is we want to skip over the sufferings and we want to get to the resurrection. But you can't get to the resurrection before you die of yourself. You can't get there until you know him, and that means you've got to lose you and your identity and gain him in his identity. Who are you this morning? What has changed you? For Paul, it was that meaning. For Paul, it was knowing the power of the resurrected Christ that changed him. What's changed you? And finally, let me ask it this way. How has life changed? How has your life changed? Pick up in verses 12 through 14. He says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made it his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I strain forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in 
Christ Jesus. Verse 15, he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any uh, of you think other ways, God will reveal that also to you. Paul says this, a changed life happens when you meet the biblical resurrected Jesus. When you come and meet the resurrected Christ, your life changes, your mind, the way you think changes your heart your affections change your attitude your actions there should be change now paul says in verse 12 look i'm not perfect i've still got sins to deal with i've got issues i'm battling but i am pressing on i'm moving forward you see in verse 12 that press on verse 13 i'm straining ahead he says i'm not looking back for some of you it's hard right now to go forward with jesus because you just want to keep looking back Look, you can't drive the car by looking in the rearview mirror. You're not going to grow in Christ by continuing to look back. What you did is what you've done. You can't change what you did, but you can change what you'll do. And so what he's saying is press on, keep making it. And I love what he says, I press on to make it my own. What you see in the changed life of Paul is this. It's an active faith. A active faith is evidence of a changed life of someone who's come to know Christ. A non-active faith in Jesus is no faith in Jesus. If you say you are following Christ and you are not following Christ, then you're not following Christ. Let's think of it this way. Jaws is my favorite movie of all time. Absolutely love Jaws. I've seen Jaws way too many times to count. Now, some of you are looking at me that way, but you love cats, okay? So, hey, <laughs> each to their own, all right? Each to their own. But Jaws is my favorite movie. So, let, let's say I, I come up on somebody, I'm, I'm talking to them one day, and uh, we get to talk about movies, and they say, what's your favorite movie? I say, Jaws. And they were like, man, Jaws is my favorite movie. I'm like, really? All right, cool. What's your favorite part? Because one of my favorite parts is when they're having the big town hall scene, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do about the shark. And, you know, everybody's arguing, arguing, arguing. And all of a sudden, you hear this sound off camera. Right? Some of you are looking at me kind of funny. All right, you've seen Jaws. I'm getting there. Hang on. The camera pans over, the people part, and there's this old crusty sailor, just quints his name, and he's taking those nails down the chalkboard. Remember that part? He's like, if you want to catch a shark, I can catch a shark, right? I love that part. Man, do you love that part? And they're like, well, I don't remember that part. <laughs> okay, no problem. So you just may have been taking a nap during that moment. All right, so they're out on the boat near the end of the movie. It's the three of them, and it's at night, and they're sitting down in the cabin. And it's, it, you know, it's Chief Brody and the scientist and Quint, they're talking. And Quint gives this just super emotional scene as he's recounting how he was on the, you know, Indianapolis and how the torpedo from the Japanese sunk it. And they, you know, were in the boat or in the water and they were out there for days upon days and days. And he's just recounting that scene. Man, I love that scene. Do you love that scene? I, I don't remember that scene. Okay. All right. No problem. How about this? We're at the end of the movie. Boat's sinking. Brody's hanging on. He's got the rifle. He's already fired off two shots. Jaws is swimming right at him. Got the, you know, air tank right there in his mouth. One shot to go. Jaws is coming. All right, you smile, and he fires off the shot. Boom, Jaws blows up. Man, wasn't that an ending to the movie? I don't remember that part. 
So at this point in the conversation with the person who said that Jaws was their favorite movie of all time, I would be literally confused. And I might follow up with this. How often have you seen the movie? Well, I've never seen it. But wait, you said it was your favorite movie. Well, yeah, it is, but I've never seen it. That conversation would make absolutely no sense. Right? Amen? None. To a, to a, you know, a, a thinking person, that wouldn't make any sense. Guess what? If you say you're following Jesus and you're not following Jesus, you're not following Jesus. Just as it logically doesn't make sense what I described with a guy who said, I love watching the movie Jaws, who's never watched the movie Jaws, it doesn't logically make sense to say you are following a guy you're not following. So Paul says this in verse 16, and we're going to end it here. He says, only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Only let us hold true to what we attained. I love the way the NIV puts this. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. That phrase, only let us, Paul means this. Hey, one more thing. Who are you? What changed you? How has life changed since you've come to know Christ? Because he says, press on. Keep going. Keep following. Keep pressing ahead with Jesus. You know, it, it's going to happen in your house here soon. There is going to be a conversation that you might have with your spouse, or you may just make the decision yourself. But it's going to happen soon. Your, your spouse is going to turn to you and say, I think it's time to clean out the garage. Time to get the boxes out of the attic. And as you're in that exercise, you're going to open up a box. And you're going to discover something you forgot was in the box. You've been there. You've done it. And you're going to take that out and you're going to think, man, I remember this. And there's going to be emotions that flood back. There are going to be sweet thoughts that float back in your mind. And it's just going to come a flood. Boy, I remember this. Oh, I love this. I treasured this. I hung on to this. But at some point, it ended up in a box. I wonder how many of you this morning have done that with Jesus. How many of you have put Christ in a box? You could say, boy, I, I once loved him. I once was following him. But things happened. Life got busy. I got distracted. And I put him in a box. And I put them in the storage, in the attic, in the garage. Maybe this morning, it's time to take Christ out of the box. It's time to meet the resurrected Savior Jesus again. See, the power of a changed life is knowing the resurrected Jesus. And so for many of you, maybe this morning, you, you have faith in Christ. You, you've placed your faith and trust in Him, but... It's rediscovering him afresh and anew. It's getting him out of that box again and saying, man, I, I want you, Jesus. What I'm going to invite you to do in a moment is to just, to just pray a prayer like that. To say, Jesus, I want to rededicate my life to you. I want to love you with a passion and I want to follow you. I'm going to lead you in that time.
But maybe for some of you, you've not met him. You, you don't have faith in the resurrected Jesus yet. You want to move today from the skeptic category over into the believer category. And we're going to make that decision and give you that opportunity as well. So would you bow in prayer with me today? I want to thank you for watching today's message. Right now, I want to encourage you to do something. You know, when we hear the Word of God, the Bible calls us to make a decision. And really, that comes from Jesus. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus is saying, come and follow me. If you think about all the decisions that you've had to make in your life, some were small decisions, some were big decisions, some were not really important, and some were very important. But the decision of what you're going to do with Jesus Christ in your life is the most important decision that you're ever going to make. See, really, there's only two options. You can walk with Jesus or you could walk away from Jesus. And I want to encourage you right now to walk with Jesus. And the way that you have a relationship with Jesus is you place your faith in Him. You place your trust in Him. And what you're doing by placing your faith and trust in Jesus is you're saying, Jesus, I, I know I have sin. I know I have sin in my life that separates me from God, and I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust that you can bring me to God. See, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 21 that Jesus knew no sin, but he was made to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And what that means is this, that when Jesus died on the cross, God put all our sin on him. And that when you trust by faith in Jesus, he gets your sin and you get his righteousness. It's called the great exchange. You give him your sin and he gives you his righteousness. That means you're forgiven. You're forgiven of all the sins that you've ever done and that you're forgiven of all the sins you ever will do. And the Bible says that when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, that God forgives you of your sin and he forgives you of of the power of sin in your life right now, that when you die, that God will take you to heaven to be with him for all of eternity. And so if you're ready to do that, I want to encourage you to do that right now where you are. And you simply can pray along with me. Just bow your head and close your eyes. And you can say, Dear God, I know I have sinned. And today I'm ready to trust Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, God, for saving me. You know, friend, if you've prayed that with us today, I want to encourage you to let us know. You can go to heightschurch.org slash connect or simply open the camera app uh, on your phone and put it right over this QR code and that's going to take you to that website. There you can let us know that you prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior. What we'd love to do is celebrate that with you, pray for you, come alongside of you and help you take your next steps of faith. And so I want to thank you for watching today's message. I want to encourage you, if you're able to make it out, we'd love to see you in person here at Heights on Sunday mornings at 9 or 10.30 a.m. Or you can catch us online at 9 and 10.30 a.m. live on Sunday mornings on our Heights Facebook page, our Heights YouTube page. So again, until next time, God bless and have a great week.